This is Book Public from Texas Public Radio. I'm Yvette Benavides. In Mimi Herman's novel, The Kudzu Queen, a charismatic stranger named James Cullowee arrives in Cooper County, North Carolina in 1941. He's there to spread the news about kudzu, the plant he touts as improving soil quality, cheaply feeding cattle, and even having medicinal effects. 15-year-old Maddie Watson falls for the pitch about kudzu, but also for the handsome stranger. Soon enough, the kudzu, a plant that is wildly invasive and can grow up to a foot a day, starts to take over the crops. Kaluwi, the kudzu king, likewise reveals another side to his magnetic personality and charms. I spoke to Mimi Herman about her novel, The Kudzu Queen. When people ask you what your novel is about, what do you say? Ooh, good question. Um, I tell people that it's about a 15-year-old girl named Maddie Lee Watson who um, meets the Kudzu King. And the Kudzu King comes to North Carolina to promote Kudzu and have Kudzu festivals and Kudzu beauty pageants. And Maddie wants to be the kudzu queen, and she wants the kudzu king to fall in love with her, even though he's twice her age, until she discovers his dark side. Oh, there is a dark side. I have to be very careful not to spill uh, a bunch of spoilers, because this is a very intense, but that's not the right word, but there are just a lot of things I don't want to spoil for the reader. The Mm -hmm. beautiful things the sad things, the problematic things, the gorgeous things. There is so much to uh, to discover in this book. So I have to be very careful when you bring up the dark side of, of the kudzu yeah. queen. Thanks so much, Yvette. I, um, I have to be careful in readings too. So this is all assuming that people understand what you mean by kudzu. So do people generally know yeah, well, do they have a lot of kudzu in Texas? Because I know they have a lot of it here where we live in North Carolina. There's some in Texas, yes. Okay. Yeah. So kudzu is, first of all, it's gorgeous. It is a gorgeous and horrifying plant. Um, if you think of, uh, what was that movie where, where he would say, where the plant would say, feed me, Seymour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. You think of Little Shop of Horrors and you think, feed me Seymour. Then you kind of get kudzu, except it doesn't even ask to be fed. It just takes whatever it wants. So it was introduced as an ornamental um, around the turn of the last century, around the time of the Dust Bowl. They brought kudzu in and had the CCC planted along railway embankments to prevent erosion. They paid farmers to plant it. The um, Department of Agriculture created pamphlets to promote it and to teach farmers how to plant it. So it was supposed to be this miracle vine and instead it took over the South. As a country, we are famous for bringing in things to solve problems and forgetting that they're part of a food chain. And when we don't bring in the rest of the food chain, those things take over as Kudzu did. How did you get the the idea to bring this story about kudzu into your novel and create so really create a novel around this idea? Well, this will tell you how much I love libraries and how much I love old technology. A while ago, I mean quite some time ago, I was wandering around the microfiche 
And for those of you who are too young to know what microfiche are, think of um, something where you can look up articles and find out what happened in the past. Oh, wait, we have that. It's called the internet. <laughs> but in those days, it was on sort of tiny little films. And so I came across this article on these men that went around the South promoting kudzu and having these kudzu festivals and kudzu beauty pageants. And I had grown up with this horrible invasive plant. And so I was stunned. And I write for the same reason I read, which is to find out what happens. So I could not believe somebody did that. And I had to figure out why. So I figured it out by inventing it. Oh, I love it. I love it. And the and the uh, era is very specific. We're in 1941. We are. So there must have been even more research about other things. Yeah. So there was a lot of research that I did for the book, um, a lot on foods and the language that was used. Even after the book was accepted for publication, I went through it again and found 320 changes that I wanted to make. Things like the word um, sharp, which when you're using it to describe how someone's dressed, like a sharp dressed man, that wasn't around until about 1945. And wow. lemon bars went around until the 60s. And that's probably a good thing I took them out because I had somebody putting them in her purse, which is never a good thing to do with lemon <laughs> bars. Anyway. But you do something too with diction and with the dialogue here. I'm So I'm glad you're talking about this. It's timeless, but it's also of a time, like the mm -hmm. early 40s. I can't put my finger on what you're doing, but you do it where I'm reading it. And I am I am sort of in, in that space of like a Barbara Stanwyck movie, precisely, Ooh. right? And the way people, I love it. Yes. And sort of like uh, the rhythms of the speech. I don't know. There was just something I could hear the, the voices of that time in my head and and it's just such a lovely thing so no lemon bars but let me tell you when i was reading this novel i if i was hungry forget it i was running <laughs> to the kitchen to get something to eat there was a lot of really good food families at a, at the table eating together there's so many details like that that i just love <laughs> yeah my favorite one is the beets that uh, <laughs> Maddie wants to send it on a slow boat to China because she eats so much. Yeah, um, when I went back through, I thought, ah, you know, there's a lot of food in here. So I started making a list of all the foods that were in there. Um, and I, I love food. I love cooking. I love eating. I think food's a great invention. And when I saw how many foods I had in that book, I thought, you know what? The command, companion book to this has to be a cookbook. <laughs> I love that idea. But I started to think about that. It's we're in this small town in North Carolina, and many things revolve around eating and mm -hmm. meals. And the kids are going to go off to school. They're going to get on the school bus. They have to worry about the cornflakes for breakfast and what they're going to have for lunch and all of that. I just felt like, oh, that's so perfect because that is real life. If I'm eating breakfast, I'm wondering what I'm going to have for lunch. <laughs> so, <laughs> something like that. And it is food of, of the time and of the place. I feel like this place in North Carolina is so specific. Mm -hmm. And you you really put us there. I've never been there, but I, and and in 1941, to say nothing of that, but things like oh, the fields and the front porches and Aunt Mary's house and the school even, or the um, the queen practices at the mayor's house. <laughs> Just beautiful, gorgeous, escaping into all of these spaces. I just love this book. 
Well, thank you so much, Yvette. I love hearing you talk about it because when I was writing the book, I felt like I was there. I mean, you were talking about the language being related to 1941 and I wasn't around in 1941, but when I was writing the book, I felt like I was. And so I'm glad to hear that you felt like you were when you were reading it. Yeah, it, right down to what the girls wear mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, what was it? And it really stuck with me, the plaid skirt with the cream colored sweater mm-hmm. or the peach colored lipstick, all these little details. I mean, I just feel like, oh my gosh, it is a a sort of a time travel some it just you just put us there in the place and in in the time I mean something that I love is the mention of the movie stars that Maddie pines for like Errol Flynn and Cary Grant and how she and this young boy Carl go see the pictures mm-hmm. not the movies the pictures <laughs> and, and the movie is uh, the Lady Eve with Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda you know, these kinds of things that just reinforce where we are. And yet there's still, you know, a little, a bit of a timelessness around the family story, the sibling relationships, the mean girls, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> the, everything that's happening in a kind of a Bildungsroman or coming of age with Maddie, who's 15. I was right in there with her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> worrying about fretting about school and boys and stuff it's just it's just so lovely thank you I have this theory that we're all like trees and that we all the layers of our life all the years of our lives are are layers inside of us and so there's a 15 year old inside of us and and that's you know kind of what I'm hoping will come out when people read this I totally hear that this small town is kind of minding its own business and there here here comes um James Cullowy Mm-hmm. Tell us about Jim. Jim, he's a charmer. Um, I've heard him compared to the Music Man. Yes, and, right. I was going to ask right? you. I love that. I love that. So my favorite thing is this idea that, that it's kind of the Music Man meets To Kill a Mockingbird. I love it. That's a book I want to read, and that's a movie I want to see. I love it. I cool. see. <laughs> yeah. So I, I. Jim is charming. Um, I think he has what he thinks are good intentions, but maybe not everybody else sees it the same way. I'm afraid to say more. I know. What can what can we say? How can we? What's the workaround here for us? Okay. Well, he's handsome. He looks like a Greek god. He's a great salesman. Um, he is selling kudzu to farmers who have been through the depression and are really afraid of losing money. He's selling it to the whole town. He's selling the whole town on the concept of kudzu. And uh, he's exactly, he's like a movie star come to town. He really is. And he's a, a shot in the arm. You know, Mm -hmm. he kind of energizes everybody, the mayor, the mayor's wife, Mm -hmm. the school has an assembly that's dedicated to him and, Everybody mm-hmm. seems to be charmed by him. Everybody seems to want to believe him. Not everyone, but mm-hmm. almost everyone, and even some unlikely figures. And I guess I can say I think I think um, Maddie's older brother. Yeah. And, and and that part is very important without spoiling anymore. But and of course the little brother. <laughs> 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 but yeah, he's he's. I feel like he's just who he is. Mm-hmm. You know this this character, and oh yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. 
but he but everybody is just so taken with him he he does have this movie star vibe it seems like he can do no wrong and mm-hmm. and the kudzu is is taking over and you know so there's <laughs> something very very interesting there uh, these many moving parts including mm-hmm. Lynette I love Lynette and her story Oh, I love Lynette too. And Aggie, her little sister. She's got two little sisters, but Aggie for me is magical. It just seems like we're so connected to so many interesting people and aspects of life because Lynette's Lynette's home life is not great. No, it's pretty bad. And I feel like there's such a story. There's so many stories. And then, but it's so kaleidoscopic here. I mean, we we never lose sight of the of the central issues they're all of a piece mm-hmm. but there's not a word that's wasted or a scene it's it all is just like this beautiful mosaic that comes together and makes perfect sense so many stories that interconnect and they interconnect around maddie to be sure mm-hmm. um i mean she's an observer she's so observant she's so watchful this sort of prism of Maddie prism that we're able to look into and see all of these things. But yeah, Lynette's story. I don't know. It's so important to me. I don't know. I think about her a lot since I read the book. Really? Yeah. I read the blurb by Lee Smith mm-hmm. to claim that this book quote demands to be a movie. Lee Smith is not wrong. I love that it's a book and it has to be a book. I'm not saying anything else about that, but <laughs> it must be a book and thank God it is. But I was thinking about what a ter- terrific movie this would be. And I could see it in my head as a movie. Wow, that is so <laughs> great to hear you. Thank you. But that's a tribute to your your powers as a novelist and your storytelling more than anything else. Thanks. And I, I don't picture any movie stars or actors that I know I picture just Mm -hmm. people really I picture Maddie a a certain way and it's it's not a um a movie star an actor or an actress that I know of it's just most vivid vivid movie already in my head wow (laughs) (laughs) but but have you thought about that have you thought about this idea yeah, I I would love for this to be a movie. I mean, it, it, it felt like a movie unfolding for me as I wrote it. Um, I always think about, you know, the story's happening and I'm just running around trying to keep up, um, you know, running around behind the characters, writing everything they do and say and see and hear and smell and feel and taste. So, yeah, I would love to see it as a movie. And, but when I think about who would play anybody, I mean, I you know, I can come up with people, but honestly most of the people that would play anybody in a movie are they're too young now to know you know Mm -hmm. um who they are and (laughs) i think maddie should be played by maddie and lynette should be played by (laughs) lynette (laughs) yeah yes the book should just be i don't know i think the movies in our minds are pretty good too yeah yeah (laughs) But I would love to see it. I'd love to see it on the big screen or the small screen or both. Mm-hmm. I yeah, only because it has so many of those elements that I feel would would play well that way would would sort of exist well in that space. I mean, there is so much here. I mean, it is a Bildungsroman. These are family stories, but there's a lot to unpack here around some of the weightier things about mm-hmm. race and and class in the South during this time too. Yeah. 
very, very important in this book. And also sexuality, these power dynamics of these young people at that time. And I hesitate to specify at that time because I feel like this has just been a problem since time immemorial and remains so in spite of our awareness or our consciousness of about these kinds of things. But I think maybe in that era, it was difficult to manage these kinds of things or to talk about them and Mm -hmm. then therefore to overcome them. Mm -hmm. What do you think this book can teach us about these weighty issues? I mean, maybe that's an unfair question and you can take any part of the question that you want, but. It's a really good question. Um, Maddie's nothing like me. She's much um, more confident than I was at her age. Um, But the one thing that um, I really connect with Maddie on is I think there's this quality that 14 and 15 year old girls sometimes have of trying on their sexuality for size and testing the waters. And I think that's exactly what Maddie's doing. And sometimes that ends up with, they end up getting more than they wanted, or they end up getting something that's different from they from what they wanted. So I I think, and I think that's timeless. You know, I think it happened in Maddie's time. It happened, you know, before then, and it's still happening now. And I don't like to, I don't like to claim that it's a big category. I don't like the idea of victims. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think of that um, because I think victim stories are not nearly as complex as what I want this story to be. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I know what you, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. So I think, I think of Maddie as trying that on for size, you know, she's attracted to a man who's twice her age. So what's going to happen with that? Yeah. And, you know, of course it gets even more complicated than that, but I, somebody, I had a long conversation with a friend and we're talking about the fact that I wrote this book for adults. It wasn't until it was finished that people started saying, you know, this could also be a YA book. And I have young students and I've told them, I really don't want you to read this unless you've talked with your parents about it. And they've read it first, because I think there's some things that are not good for pretty young kids or, you know, even 10, 11 year olds, but so many girls that are pretty young are finding themselves in some challenging situations. So maybe it's helpful to know you're not the only one out there that's going through something that's complicated. I agree. And Maddie is just, she's, I mean, she really is wise beyond her years. This point of view that, that we have in the novel allows us to see just how she intellectualizes she really does her whole thing about homeostasis and you know she's so (laughs) she's so so um you know applying the things that she's learning to Mm -hmm. to these situations that she's in but i hear what you're saying it's she she's very attracted to an extremely attractive person Mm -hmm. and she obviously is someone who the who the boys like too and they're of an age where I think, you know, um, they're starting to, as you say, try these things on for size or they're curious. They're having these feelings. You know, she talks a lot about these things that are going on with her body, these feelings mm-hmm. that she has in certain moments. It is a, a story that I think carries a resonance for probably for a lot of women who maybe experienced something like that. And it was confusing and inexplicable and 
You know, right. these are things that we can't talk about, that they're not comfortable to talk about, but they happen. I can certainly see that. And it's somebody as curious as she is, she's mm-hmm. so curious about the <laughs> about the kudzu she, yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And she's interested in helping her family or helping the other families if this is possibly going to help them. Mm-hmm. Her father is so enigmatic. Mm-hmm. And I, I see this way, this language that she wishes she could have with him via the crops or sort of the same things that he can talk to Danny about, or, you know, there's, there's just so much with her in terms of her curiosity and the things that she wants, or she thinks that she wants, how she Mm -hmm. wants this small town to be, how it's sort of presented to her at any given moment and how she resists and still dreams and still wishes and still aspires I mean, that's a very human story. I, I feel like this is a novel for everyone, maybe in the same way that To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. was always before they introduced it into the reading lists of the schools, you know, in that in that way. That it was a it was a a novel and then suddenly it was in the schools. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it was banned, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. I think a 15-year-old narrator doesn't necessarily imply that it's a book written for 15-year-olds. To me, this is written for all ages. Exactly. Now you're going to be at the Twig Bookshop on Wednesday, March 1st in conversation mm-hmm. with Nan Q, but tell me, how is the book tour? How are you adjusting, first of all, to being back in spaces face-to-face in bookstores? How wonderful. Yes. And then now with your book out in the world, tell me about it. Oh, it's been amazing. And I will say that I was one of the people that really kind of enjoyed being at home a lot. And I masked up a lot. And even in advance of going into bookstores, I masked up a lot because the last thing I wanted was to have to cancel reading because I came down with COVID. I am stunned by how fabulous it's been going to bookstores, meeting people who've read the book, meeting people who want to read the book, having old friends appear um, that I haven't seen since before COVID. And it's just been this amazing, amazing experience. And I've been getting, you know, emails and messages from friends and people that I don't even know while giving me play-by-plays of their readings of the book you know and on page 103 and this is what's <laughs> happening this just happened so it's just it's been beyond anything I could have imagined I'm loving it Mimi Herman thank you so much for talking to me today I really appreciate it oh it's been just a deep pleasure thank you Beth Mimi Herman is the author of The Kudzu Queen this has been Book Public from Texas Public Radio Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. I'm Yvette Benavides. <laughs>